Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam. Hi. And we've got Rhiannon. <laughs> hey guys, you can find me somewhere on the Twitter, but I don't go as Rhiannon. It's uh, Brooklyn Wallace. Who knows what my handle is? <laughs> I'm Caleb. I'm at Caleb A. Borchers. And the way that I continue to be the most Twitter-involved of the three of us continues to shock me. Twitter's the worst. <laughs> I wanted to quit it so bad, and then they went and canceled Iron Fist. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big old FML moment, man. <laughs> now I gotta get on Twitter. We want to encourage you to subscribe to us on YouTube at, at watchmarvel.movervelnewsdesk.com. Uh, also check out our second podcast in the Marvel News X family, AP Marvel. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this in Slack, but, uh, recently AP Marvel did an episode on love, sex, and Marvel, and it has like 880 views What um, on it. It does. It has 880 views, but it's only 770 minutes of watch time. So my theory is there's a whole bunch of perverts who Google something like Marvel Sex and then got the podcast and then watched long enough to see that it was a podcast and not some smutty thing on YouTube. We're like, oh, I don't want to watch this. Like, it's the only way that the data makes any sense to me. Uh, well, at least we know what our keywords need to be now. <laughs> yes. Seriously. So, yeah. All of, our, all of our URLs should now have sex in them. Yeah. I'm sure that would make things better. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, check that out. Also, Adam, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about it on the pod, but you have a cool new job, huh? Uh-huh. I sure do. I have a job. You guys want me to talk about it? I didn't know if you wanted me to talk about it or not. Yeah, I, I'll sure. totally talk about it. Dude, it makes us, like, legit adjacent. <laughs> legit adjacent. Oh, legit adjacent. Like okay. Marvel. Yeah, I was going to stop you when you legit. said legit. <laughs> yeah. We're associated with legit journalists. Um, starting next, not next Monday, starting in a few weeks, I will be writing for comicbook.com full time. Like a big boy job or girl job, depending on the writer. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my life now. I'm stoked. So exciting. Yeah, we're excited for you. So excited. You guys sound excited. So <laughs> exciting. So, no, 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 absolutely. I mean, I think it's really cool. I'm glad that you're getting to do it. I mean... Uh, I, we've talked about like I don't think Rhiannon and I like we like our jobs enough that I don't think that we've wanted to do it but I like to know that like if we did want to that you know I don't know people like us can do it and like I'm just really you know I'm excited for you because it's something I think you've wanted to do so I'm excited you're getting to make that I appreciate that and I appreciate your two's advice I, I took your advice to heart Aww. and I used it even though I kind of already decided I was taking the job before I asked you to I'm just like mm, let's ask the let's ask the squad. Now I hope it goes well because like now I'm like, what if you're miserable and why did I make this decision? And uh, I cannot be more miserable than I am now. <laughs> except my except my coworkers listen to this pod. They're cool, but whatever. I would also say, you know, real quick, if you're listening, comicbook.com. Thanks for being cool about you know letting Adam continue to do the podcast and all that stuff. So. It's really exciting that... Oh, I haven't told you guys about that oh, yet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're cool. Yeah. So, returning to the theme of Adam it, being miserable, 
Uh, Iron Fist got canceled <laughs> last week. <laughs> um, so yeah, cue um, up the uh, you got the go button to ready to go on like the expletive sensor. <laughs> yeah, or what? I, I'm, I'm good. You tell me to go, and I'm gonna okay. go. <laughs> you should try to self censor. Just bleep. And I know. I'm trying to do the good place. I was gonna start off with holy forking shirt balls. <laughs> But I figure hopefully Caleb can overlay that with the beep, beep, Yeah, you're fine. How much of a flipping bummer is this, man? Like, I understand it, but come on. You know, I mean... How, okay, let's let, let's back up a little bit. How do you want to handle this? Can I just speak my thoughts? Yes, man. Go, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna you're not going to you... charge me a copay, are you? No, I, I want you to 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 get out what you need to get out, man. This is we're here for you. We're, we want to support you yeah. in this. Okay, time. Iron Fist season two. There is no way in hell that Iron Fist season two was any bit worse than both Luke Cage's. There's no way it was any worse than Jessica Jones season two. There's, uh, I mean, it's it's probably better than Daredevil season two. Let's be honest. And with that cliffhanger, man, I mean, how the hell are you going to end a show in the worst effing possible way and then cancel it? Every damn person I talked to said, oh, man, the last five minutes of Iron Fist Season 2 were so dope, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't know. Netflix is a big pile of crap, and I hope all of their shows fail. No. I mean, it's a bummer. I mean, I understand it. I would guess after season one's very, very poor performance, uh, season two didn't get the numbers that tripped their trigger. Um, but that means half cup full. Um, I mean, that means probably a better future, maybe in the hands of someone else uh, for Danny Rand and company. Um, half glass, half empty. Um, we'll never see Danny Rand in live action again, but his comics will probably get super cheap again. So, you know, I'm okay with it. Either way, it's just, ah, they shouldn't have canceled it. I mean, Jessica Jones season three? God, give me a break. I hated season two. I probably shouldn't say I hated it, but I strongly disliked it. I, I don't know. I just, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be cool with this. I'm trying to... Not be an Iron Fist homer, but I, I don't think it was. I don't think season two is worthy of being canceled. I, I just, for the life of me, I mean, yeah, it wasn't perfect. Yeah, it wasn't Daredevil season one. Uh, of course, it wasn't Jessica Jones season one, but I mean, it was actually relatively consistent. The storyline was great. They they dug into the comic mythos. Um, I'm going to blame it on those cats that started signing the petition saying it was not comic accurate. It was all you stupid <laughs> Misty Night people. I shouldn't say stupid. It was all you Misty Night people in my damn mentions. <laughs> Netflix PR monitors my account, and they said, you know what? We're canceling this bullshit. You know what? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people messaging So me. That's what Netflix said. But personally, I'm also p- tired of people. And then everyone starts tagging me in their Twitter stuff. I'm like... Guys, one of my family members just died. Good lord. And you're taking me in this obituary? Get me off your Twitter. You know, I mean, come on. That's also, yes, that was directed at you, Cooper. You know who you are. But several other people did it as well. 
It's like, come on. It's not like you send the link. Like, if my grandma dies, nobody... I don't expect... Like, I don't want someone to send me a link to her obituary. I'm like, yeah, I know Grandma Barnhart died. Thanks, bro. Like, thank you. And yes, I just compared Danny Rand to my grandma. Rest in peace, Grandma. I'm sorry. She's rolling in her grave. <laughs> That's about it. That, Those are pretty much my that, thoughts. Yeah, that was I that mean, was epic. I, I love that. <laughs> I still have a lot of words to say, but I can't say them on the podcast. <laughs> I think along the lines of what you're saying, the person I think this is really unfair for is M. Raven Matz. I can't say his name. Yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Raven. Because yes. he, took, he took a show that had a sucky first season. And he somehow made the second season pretty good and launched it so the third season looked awesome. You know, like I talked on on the podcast before about the miraculous job I thought he did of turning around that ship. And so, like, I don't know. This is like, uh, that sounds too dark of a metaphor, but it's, it's it's like being pregnant but never getting to have the baby. You know, like, it's just like... He did all this work to bring this thing into fruition, and then now he probably doesn't get to see it happen. And that's just really too bad for him because he had to spend an entire season cleaning up Scott Buck's mess, and now he doesn't get to enjoy the the fruits of his labor. And I think that really sucks for him. Can you imagine the 0-16 Cleveland Browns going on to win the Super Bowl next year and they end up firing Hugh Jackson after winning the Super Bowl? I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? No, it, was no, it wasn't a Super Bowl. It was at least making the playoffs. Yeah, that's the... I think right, that's so making the, the playoffs. Yeah, that's it. Fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. That's that's more reasonable. But still but maybe on, losing was... the first round and everybody's still bitter. So All right, but, there you but go. But the fact is they went from 0-16 to like 10-5. and 5. They Come Tony Dungy know. I mean, that's, that's what they did. Nobody's nobody's gonna fire the coach after that unless you're the Atlanta Hawks. You know what I mean? Ugh, Atlanta Falcons. I hope that dude you know what? I hope Raven Metzner goes and gets showrunner for Titans next season. Screw it. You know? I'm done with the MCU. Jeff, you just lost a fan, man. I'm out. See you guys, I quit this podcast. I'll uh have fun in your lives. So you're not gonna watch Daredevil? Yeah, I'll watch Daredevil. Oh, that's a good reminder. I need to go take my blood pressure medication. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we we need to talk a little bit about the fallout on these things because we know the show is off. Now, to be fair, I mean, they canceled it, but they also immediately said the Iron Fist will live on. And then Finn Jones put on this thing about, you know, that like. It was like a picture of Iron Fist and said immortal. So we get the sense that there's already another plan down the road. They talked about this could move to a different streaming service. And a lot of people started speculating that Disney streaming would pick it up. Um, Let's talk about this comicbook.com article that was out within seconds of the Iron Fist news. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Give me the clicks. Maybe it'll make me promote it. Go ahead, Rhiannon. What, 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 what do you mean? Well, talking about that that could have been hinting at another, a show with more immortals, um, which it looks less and less like. I mean, that article was really fast and really hasty. I mean, I'm really impressed that the author could write that quickly. Um, what do you mean, hasty? Even though he was obviously drunk. 
at the time. But... How else am I going to take care of my sorrows? <laughs> they just canceled the best TV show of all time, and I'm supposed to say Stover? Five minutes later, you're already drunk. We might need to have a discussion, no. Adam. Hey, no, but... I was at dinner, and then <laughs> poop went down. All right? You don't put this on me. All right? Do not put this. You're blaming the victim here? You're victim shaming? Give me a break. But, like, later, I mean, throughout the week, if you watch the social media, like, Jessica Hannock did a goodbye to the fans. Like, a goodbye to that character. So, like, in those first few hours, it seemed like, oh, maybe they're just canceling. You know, I thought, that's awesome. Rebrand it. Just get rid of the name Iron Fist. Have a new show. Same characters. Call it something else. But it doesn't look like that's the case. I wanted to jump on that, though, exactly what you're saying, Rhiannon. I just pulled up her um, Instagram post, and there was a lot of talk of, like, well, maybe they could do a Heroes for Hire now instead, or a Daughters of the Dragon instead. When Jessica Henwick put up her post, it says, two seasons of Iron Fist, one season of Defenders, and a cameo on Cage. Thank you for this amazing journey. Now, that's a weird post, and here's why. If she just said two seasons of Iron Fist and we're not coming back, thanks, that makes sense. But the second where she says, like she brings in the Defenders and her work on Luke Cage as something else she's saying goodbye to, that to me, reading between the lines, says that Jessica Henwick does not expect to be on another season of Luke Cage. She just said goodbye to her cameos on Luke Cage. She just said goodbye to her work on the Defenders. And that is really interesting. You know, like to me that speaks again, again, it's reading tea leaves on a social media post, whatever. But that seems to speak to me. The idea that like, she doesn't think that she's coming back for Luke Cage season three. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. Plus she chose like the ultimate corny song. Isn't it like time of your life by green day or something? No, it it's uh, old. Uh, it was the one that was in, uh, remember the Titans. Ain't no valley high, ain't no mountain low. Oh mountain. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man. So <sighs> let me ask this, Adam, let's, yeah, let's look to the future. So the one interesting thing is this potentially not for sure, but potentially, Puts Iron Fist in Kevin Feige's sandbox if he really wants it. That's like saying Kevin will f- take a friggin' stab at Inhumans. Speaking of which, Inhumans is supposed to come out in a month. Ha 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 ha, Caleb, how's it feel? <laughs> how's true. it, how's I, it I, feel? It took me a I'm minute to figure out sobbing. what you were trying to say, but yes, Inhumans was yeah, supposed November to come 3rd. out. Like, yeah, in November this year, absolutely. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not that It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, so theoretically, Iron Fist could be a Marvel Studios play right now. But realistically, that sandbox also has Loki in it. So if I'm Kevin Feige and I'm sitting there and I'm like, do I want to play with the little Tom Hiddleston Loki doll? Or do I want to play with the shunned Finn Jones Iron Fist? But that's my question. Is there any world where Kevin Feige just totally redoes this thing, recasts it, starts out the mythology all over? I mean, is Feige and the MCU required to keep def- to keep Iron Fist from Netflix as canon? Or at some point, are the films going to just acknowledge that Netflix is a different world and start over with some of these characters? Um, Before we... we uh... 
continue on. I just wanted to let uh, the listener that's keeping tally know that Rhiannon just did the voice. <laughs> so add to the characters on the list. Kevin, Kevin Feige deciding between Loki and Iron Fist. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, like, I don't want to establish that voice as being my Feige. I mean, like... <laughs> he also missed Evil Mickey Mouse. Do you guys remember that one? <laughs> evil Mickey Mouse, yes, Matt Turner. Come on, man, you, you are the character archivist. Whoa. The pay is zero, Iron but Fist I will Fist is now in my little Mickey paws! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would be cool. I mean... There's no way we're not getting Shao Lao if it's a movie. Well, so. and that's... Yeah, I mean, I think Feige doesn't have to follow any rules. I think Loeb has to follow lots of rules, and Feige gets to make the rules. And they can do whatever. I, I just would still like to see... And, but I just kind of want Ward. I want the Ward uh, and Danny adventure. Thing. What I, I mean... really want is Danny and Wong and Ward on an adventure. Give me that miniseries, Mouse Flicks. If I'm in charge, what I think would be great as like a soft reboot, I want a Shang-Chi movie, Master of Kung Fu, where Shang-Chi is just kind of living and doing his thing in China, and then all of a sudden Ward and Iron Fist stumble into the room, and we like bring them into that mythology, and we get a really cool Kung Fu movie with Iron Fist in it. That's what I'd love to see is Iron Fist brought into sort of Shang-Chi on, you know, I don't know. I think make it a Disney streaming movie would be awesome, but that's just. Only if, and only if Tom Pelfrey still has a job, I'm way too sentimentally attached. Is that a phrase? Yeah. Oh, God, that was so good. All right. Who would you take in a movie? What, which of this cast would you take in a movie? Tom Pelfrey, no questions asked. Probably Jessica yep. Henwick. I think she's got the chops. And maybe Sasha Dawood. Except with the with a movie, I think you almost need like a guy as big as Dave Batista for Davos, you know? I think it'd be hilarious if it was the whole cast. They just recast Finn Jones yeah. as like uh, right. like a Asian martial artist guy. And everybody just kind of looked at him. Anyone and like, bes- okay, oh, I won't good, say we're it. done. Yeah. Just like a Don Cheadle uh, take it over for Terrence Howard moment. Oh, Ike. Oh, Ike. Him and his silly comments. All right. Uh, we are going to talk about other things. So uh, Ryan Coogler uh, signed on last week to be on board for Black Panther 2. And we think that that's going to start filming in early 2020. Uh, I assume generally we're happy and excited to see Coogler back. Sure. Yeah. I thought that was already a done deal. Maybe we just assumed it? I don't know, Ryan. Hopefully you don't make Black Panther 2 so awesome that they uh, cancel your franchise. Oh, boy. There's going to be a lot of bitterness no. to that. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I already thought that was something that announced. So I'm like, wait, I totally spaced off the fact that Black Panther 2 wasn't an official... Well, and earlier this year, we saw Marvel move up to a February of 2021 release date. And now this is going to start filming at the end of 2019, early 2020. Uh, I think that that means, okay, bingo. Like this is, we, we guessed that the February 2021 date would be Black Panther 2. This to me almost, almost confirms it. Like 
That is totally the plan for this to hit that February win. Uh, along those lines, um, last week, Benedict Wong was doing some kind of like Comic-Con or press appearance. And people asked yeah, him. Yeah, he was at New York Comic-Con. What's that? He was at New York Comic-Con. I saw him. Oh, did you? What was he doing when you saw him? So he was sitting at the, I think, Image. Is that he has, he's in, or he's a Oh, he's Deadly Class. Yeah, Deadly Class. Yeah. He was at the Image booth, and I didn't realize there was a line. I thought it was just like he was sitting there and nobody was there. And, like, I was trying to get my friend that was there with me to, like, run up and, like, meet him because she's a huge Benedict Wong fan. And uh turns out there was a line and stuff, and we were cutting it. But he was at New York Comic Con. So in one of these media appearances he made, they asked him what was coming up next, and he kind of slipped that he might start filming Doctor Strange near the end of this year. Which wow. was very surprising, because uh, we had heard maybe it would start in April of next year, but... Uh, it moves up the timetable a little, and even if he's off on that, uh, it still does suggest, as we thought, um, that Doctor Strange Two is 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 coming down the pike. Like that is going to be very very soon uh, coming up next. And I think uh, awesome, yeah. Well, but didn't you speculate that it takes that Guardians three slot? So that was my guess. Yes. I'm not sure if that's still happening or not. Maybe Black Widow goes into that spot. I, I think what it's done is it's firmed up the calendar. So we know Spider-Man Far From Home will happen after Avengers 4 in July. And then we know we'll have no movies for the rest of that year. And then coming into 2020, it looks like Doctor Strange 2 is going to be one of those releases. It looks like Black Widow is going to be one of those releases. Eternals, I think, is the third one because they already have a director for that and they've been working on a screenplay. And now we think we've got Black Panther on February 2021. And so I feel like we've got a good shape now because um, I think we're pretty sure Guardians has been kicked to 2021, middle of the year at least. So it, it is interesting to me that like we have this guesswork. Now when they finally do announce these things, we're going to go, Oh yeah, that's exactly what we thought. You know, like there won't be as much uh, excitement. I don't feel like either that or they listen to the pod and change the dates on them because we got them right, like they do for certain other news outlets. <laughs> Not saying any names, but just visit Twitter. <laughs> so, just get on Twitter. Um, uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Speaking of that movie. Uh, we have a new Spidey suit. So filming has wrapped on that movie and there is a black and red Spider-Man suit. We saw it in some scenes that were shot near Madison Square Garden with um, Mary Jane and or MJ and uh, Peter uh, swinging around the streets of New York. Uh, Do you guys like the costume? Any thoughts on uh, this new look for Spidey? What happens if that's actually Miles Morales? Yeah. And then we've got a Spider-Verse situation going on. Cue the X-Files theme music. So I saw a tweet yesterday that said it's not stealing from Miles because the original Ditko Spider-Man had a black and red suit. And I was like, what? And sure enough, if you look at the really, really old art, he did that thing like they used to do with um, 
with Black Bolt, where it's a black costume with blue, like, highlights. Because they didn't have the, like, technology to, like, make shiny parts on black. So it's, like, black with blue. Uh, old Black Panther comics are the same way. Okay, yeah. But it still bothers me, okay? I'm not letting you off the hook. Even though that's what Ditko did, it bothers me that they're stealing what Miles wears now. Because for the last 40 years... Spider-Man has always worn red and blue. Miles is black and re- or black and red. And I just, you know, I just feel like it creates brand confusion. I would like Miles to own a bre- black and red costume. And so I am very frustrated. First they took Genki, and now they're taking Miles' look. And that is sad to me. What are they going to take next? Iron Fist Season 3? <laughs> In the next costume, Spider-Man's fists will light up yellow. And it'll be a hit. We the, only, uh, the only other thing I thought was interesting from these set photos is that they were shooting near Madison Square Garden. I assume that you don't rent that just to get generic Manhattan. Like, I think they actually want MSG in the shots. Um, which tells me that Peter's coming to Manhattan. Like we had talked last time in Homecoming, the whole thing, excuse me, stays out in Brooklyn and we never get like Spider-Man swinging from like skyscrapers. And so I'm just excited that we're going to get Spidey in skyscrapers. I mean, if we're talking iconic buildings in Manhattan, Madison Square Garden is literally the ugliest. Like literally we have the National Historic Preservation Act because people were so pissed that they tore down what was there and put Madison Square Garden in. That is both a lesson in New York and national policy history but they did shoot at madison square garden for some reason <laughs> inside or outside no outside and if it was outside why guys why didn't you guys tell me that's like i can walk there from here it was all over twitter i figured you saw louis oh, no. d'esposito posted a pic mm, maybe i should pay more attention to the twitter it was i looked at it, i was like i that's where i ate lunch the other day like that's so it's you know there's yeah. like the little food court area right outside msg i don't know anyways exactly yeah i think that's where they were wow they were, they were filming so granted by the time it's up on twitter it's probably old news i i need i need stalker people of new york city to let me know these things I realize that I am quickly, the show will be the longest show ever. Uh, so let me, uh-huh. let me hit all this news really fast. We'll do a lightning round. I'll read these five things and you guys can talk about any of them. If you think they're interesting. Uh, we found out that Scarlett Johansson is going to make $15 million for the black widow movie. And that same article said that captain Marvel would be, uh, signed for Brie Larson is signed for seven films. At which point Brie Larson immediately took to Twitter and say that was incorrect which seems weird to me that she would want to correct that. Um, There's a guy who works on IMAX trailers who says that right now there's an Avengers 4 trailer that's going through the IMAX conversion, suggesting that uh, we will get to that trailer pretty soon. This guy has been accurate on a couple other big blockbusters. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen talked about Avengers 4 and said things are only going to get worse from here, which is kind of interesting given that she turned into dust at the end of the last one. I don't know how it gets much worse. Um... Charlie Cox talked about Claire and the Netflix shows, and he basically said there are no current plans for her to return, and though he'd love to see her, he doesn't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And finally, uh, the Morbius lead villain has been revered to be Loxius Crown, or a character named Hunger, uh, who's a character I've never heard of, and man, this Morbius movie's going to suck. So, 
Any of those things interesting for you guys that you want to discuss a little more before we keep going? Wow, that is a stunning silence. I had to figure out how much to keep of that. So, uh, no, I, no, I was just you should keep that in there. I was just waiting to see how long you'd actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wanted to test it out. Um, good for ScarJo. Yeah, that's weird because it was actually uh, reported by the uh, wasn't it like Entertainment Weekly or something that had that article? Uh, or I think it was like THR sure it was or something trade. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's interesting. Um, if the person I think reported the Avengers four news, I, I don't believe it whatsoever. Um, cool. Yeah. Sweet. Do you have a pen, Adam? Sounds like Renzi Felice is. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. You're okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. My bad. No, that's my bad. I need a stress ball. I told you I didn't take my BP meds, so I'm fidgety. Well, my blood pressure's through don't, the roof. Pretty soon I'm going to Don't clap. fall over, man. All right. I won't fall over. Uh, Rhiannon, do you want to talk about Daredevil a little bit? Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, full spoilers. Daredevil, episodes one through six. Here we go. It's review time. So, Boom. Yeah. All right. Spoilers. Um, I was a little bit congested this evening, so I used a neti pot before we started podcasting. <laughs> That's right, neti pot saving superpowers all over the world. I bought it. I bought it this week because I couldn't stop being congested, and um, it didn't do anything for me. So you know, good on that that it worked for him. Um, I don't. I, I feel like I did the review, and I, I like. I feel like I did a horrible job on that. But you guys, I mean, Daredevil's pretty good so far. What do you guys think? Daredevil episode one features the oh, single oh. most stupid scene oh, boy. in the entire MCU. Good lord, I hate it so much. The way they show how Matt Murdock survives the Defenders is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I would watch anything. I would watch Iron Fist season one. I would watch Inhumans. I would watch Justice League. I would watch Suicide Squad. I would watch... Uh, it's his, where am I it's going? His, Venom? It's his I would teenage watch, mutant ninja I would watch turtle Venom. origin I would watch story. Morbius. I would watch um Give me another word. Jeff Loeb, you have pissed this man right off. <laughs> um I'm just trying to think of really bad movies. That one really bad movie that got zero on Rotten Tomatoes, I'd watch that. I'd watch all these crappy Netflix originals or Hulu originals. It is so stupid. Uh, yeah, how Matt survived. It's, but but it's I like that they just got it out of the way, because otherwise it would be sitting there, and it would be this moment that you know they're going to no. flashback back to, and it's going to oh. have this mystical whatever or whatever, and oh. it's just, it's over, and it's his little Ninja Turtle it's moment, so and it's so stupid. Over. The whole show's about faith. Why don't you make that about, well, what the hell happened to it? That just leaves a, a thing. Okay, he gets sucked out of a damn sewage pipe. Good <laughs> lord, how stupid is that? Are you... Totally stupid, considering the city of New York has a combined sewer system. Therefore, your stormwater sewer and your wastewater sewer are all in the same pipes, and they all go to the same place, which is the wastewater treatment plant. So none of the pipes in New York actually just, like, spit out into a gravelly area. Okay, so that pisses me off even more, because it doesn't work in New York. 
I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's not bizarre. like the writers of the show had an environmental engineer in the city of New York that they could call right up and I could explain these things to them. But... <laughs> I mean... Keep so, in mind, I said, I said that this is the best thing Netflix has ever done, but this <laughs> thing just chaps my ass. Holy cow, I hate it. So... My thing is, I totally agree on the physics, particularly when you consider that the hole they dug, according to Daredevil season one or season two, is a hole that goes down forever, right? Like the whole scene where Matt chucks down like a pipe and it just falls and falls and falls, but we're supposed to believe there's sewer pipes that what New Yorkers a hundred years ago dug a hole 400 feet in the ground to put that sewer pipe in. So I agree on that that part. part. That part's believable to me. <laughs> but the part I don't th- that I do like about it from a narrative perspective is it Band-Aid rips Defenders. Exactly. Right? It's like, hey, Defenders sucked and people hate it. Let's let's do something that we can address Defenders in approximately 6 seconds and then leave it behind and never talk about it again. And I think that's why they did the sewer pipe, is it was just the Band-Aid rip. Get rid of that garbage. He, he was standing in the ribcage of a dragon when the building collapsed on him. They could have do- did whatever the hell they want. They didn't have to explain it in the first three minutes. But what, they it's did, a minute and a half it on. takes, and they explain it right out of the gates? They did, and it moved on. And by the end of that first episode, you have no questions left. As well, far at as... the end of the first episode, my question was, why in the hell am I still watching this show? <laughs> I do think that... I don't, I don't that... think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> hoping that they would appeal to Dragon Bones as a way to solve the problem is very much a bad idea to me. The less that we no, talk no, about no, Dragon I'm, Bones, I'm, no, the better. I'm, I'm not saying it's the solution, but I mean, he just spent two seasons dealing with the mystical hand and... They instantly take the most, like, human possible or grounded But we don't know that. I mean, and that's where, like, the very beginning where he's, like, flying through the ash. Like, maybe the explosion threw him up and there is mystical stuff and they'll come back to it. I mean, we still have, like, seven episodes. I do think that the showrunner wanted to reset to season one Daredevil. And I don't think he wants mystical hand ninjas. I don't think he wants dragon bone. Like, all of the ways they went to more fantastic stuff, while I generally enjoy some of that and I don't have a problem with it, I think some people who watch the show don't like it and they like Matt being a little more grounded. I mean, the fact that they've gone back to the black costume is, like, back to basics. And so I think that they wanted an explanation that did not require any sort of mysticism so they could return to, you know street level grounded whatever like i think that's what they wanted to do very quickly yeah i'm with you there oh yeah for sure cool awesome but then by the end of the first episode other than me strangling adam because he's so freaking negative about it um i mean i I just like it so much because it has so many loose ends that they wrap up you know how did he get out of midland circle okay like it or not they explained it what happened when he told Karen? Um, there were other questions lingering. Uh, oh, how, what happened to his apartment? I think that's a big one that's out there. What happened to his apartment? Um, his landlord listed it on Craigslist. <laughs> it, 
if you haven't seen listeners, there was a cool viral marketing thing where there was a Craigslist ad for Matt's apartment this week, which is. Yeah, it's gone now. But there's screenshots all over the place if you look for it. Um, and it not to have been Manhattan apartment shopping so much, but the price looked exactly what I would expect it to look like. Oh, I heard someone told me it was super, super cheap. Yeah, but then they didn't think about the fact that it's a sixth floor walk up, which in my head, it's a sixth floor walk up. And you go, every flight of stairs makes your apartment cheaper. There you go. So we've learned about Manhattan real estate today as well. All right. So what were some of the things you guys wanted to talk about last week? Spoiler free that you couldn't. I mean, I feel like we had some friggin' stupid. The first minute was (laughs) okay. We talked about that. I understand you're in mourning. Well, <laughs> no, I, I, hey, I, we talked about that before Iron Fist got canceled. That's did we true. Not? That's true. Um, I guess I, mean, I think we talked some about Bullseye last week. I mean, I think there's some stuff about uh, Wilson Fisk and Kingpin that we kind of didn't talk about. What What do you want to talk about that we haven't had the chance to talk about yet? Bullseye's introduction was phenomenal. Phenomenal. It was great. He ricochets two bullets, one off a dumpster and another off a sign. That's crazy. And I can't I can't believe they gave that to the folks at Comic Con. When they started They showed that at Comic Con? Yeah. Yes. What? Yes. They showed pretty much everything but the prison fight as far as fight scenes. The only fight they kept a secret was the prison fight. That's that was the scene that gave me a heart attack that I said about last week. It took my breath away. I I mean, I know I know we're going to talk to Brewster at some point. I don't know where you're going to edit it in, but that prison fight, my God. Oh. So last week, Rihanna, we did talk about Bullseye. I was talking about sort of his develop. You, you were talking about how you weren't totally happy with it. We talked about kind of his mental illness stuff. Yeah. What did you kind of want to get into that we couldn't last week? I didn't enjoy the Bullseye origin story. That one, I mean, the one peeve, the your hero goes away for a whole episode. Um. Just, I I don't like that. <clears throat> and that's what we got with episode five. Is no Matt Murdock, no Daredevil until the very end when he's shivering on the roof. Um, I, and I just, they just made him, okay, here's a crazy guy. He's been hiding his crazy, but he's legitimately crazy. And here he's crazy. And Fisk latched onto that. And here we go. We have a villain. Um, I... There's no, and I know he has motivation in right now his world fell apart, so therefore he's crazy and he's a villain, but I feel like there's not enough motivation for him to be crazy. I mean, it's not like, I mean, there again, I guess they, I guess they avoided him having a girlfriend and her dying and him avenging her death or having a family and them dying and him avenging their death. Um, But it just all... Just, I mean, it seemed even more of a, he's just a crazy for crazy sake than Typhoid Mary did. Yeah, that's so interesting because I love that actually. Like, don't make me understand it. Don't make me like this guy. Just let him be evil incarnate. Like, I'm happy with that. (laughs) P.S. Can Mary come over to Daredevil now? I know. Yeah, Typhoid Mary. I've wondered with that Iron Fist too, like, with, with as well. Like, what, what do they do with Typhoid? What what don't you why don't you like that? Sorry if I wasn't paying attention, but 
Free wine. You don't, unless, you, no, you, um, you didn't like I, Bullseye? I, just, I mean, it just... I just didn't. Um... I mean, I didn't enjoy the whole baseball, and, and I realized it gave him a connection with Fisk. They both killed somebody when they were kids, and blah, blah, blah. Um, it just seemed, as far as his motivation from going from zero to evil, I mean, and he did. In the span of one episode, he went from upstanding FBI agent to killing in cold blood. Or I guess in an episode and a half. From being an upstanding FBI agent to just killing in cold blood. And that was a really quick journey with nothing more than, oh, BT dubs, cray cray. Hey, remember what Frank said, all it takes is one bad day. But I mean, they they laid the groundwork. You know, they laid the groundwork for that in his origin episode, which was weirdly shot and I'm still not sure on what to think about that but I mean they gave us an, enough groundwork I mean he's he's mentally ill you know um, right. which, like he has no sympathy like he has no empathy yeah. for other people right, right. so the, I mean they laid that down so I mean that's I mean that's kind of how I understood it at least you know I mean obviously it just takes a little bit and that whole scene with his uh, stocky if that's a word, the woman he was stalking. Um, I thought I doubt. Oh, I think that was the scene we talked. I said something about last week. I just loved how that whole scene unfolded. It just seems so real, you know. I mean, this dude's been stalking her and knows so much. It's just bound to happen. He's going to let something slip. Um, oh yeah. So I really like that part of that. Oh, so, I, I mean, guess there was a woman that blew off, and uh, yeah, there was still a woman involved. I mean, there was there there was definitely a, a trigger event, if that's what you can call it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess I, I don't know. I might get real serious and sad for a moment, but like I know I have known people in my life who have dealt with say depression that have gone from being like normal people to like suicidal. In an afternoon, right? Like where all of a sudden you get the phone call that's like, hey, so-and-so just had this thing and they're in a hospital. And you're like, what? And like they weren't even dealing with stuff. I mean, they were dealing with it, but nobody knew. And so if that can happen with something like depression, if you had somebody who like this truly lacks empathy and I think they say has like a bipolar thing going on. The idea that, like, they could be pressured in a particular moment, in a particular situation, particularly with Fisk pushing his buttons to kind of snap, it seems realistic to me. Because I've seen people in more mundane ways become very different very quickly when something chemical just goes in their brain, you know? Y'all, let's, uh, his record had to be sealed or something, right? Because how in the hell does the FBI hire someone with that, that murdered a man but won't take buddy with bad credit? Come on. Yeah, that did seem... It did seem like poor... Uh, and as I understood it, we have a source that confirmed that that's, that's legit. Our, our source in the FBI... No, we don't have an FBI source, but that's... that's no, a, no, the FBI credit thing is legit. Yeah, AF. that's... Well, I didn't want it, to give up my source, Rhiannon. <laughs> you just exposed yourself. No, I'm but not in the FBI, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm on to you. I mean, your FBI background check standard goes about seven years. So, you know, kind of like your credit score. 
So all right, cool. I'm good. Adam hasn't killed anybody in at least at least seven years. Yeah, (laughs) wait, does seven years two months? Yeah, (laughs) set a Google alert next time that happens, and you know. Wait, you have a Google alert set up for me? I have a Google Calendar alert so that when seven years passes, I can apply for another federal oh, trust yeah. visit. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, good idea. Yeah. What did you guys think of, and we talked about this a little bit, uh, the episode where Fisk just kind of keeps showing up in Matt's head. Um, I I really liked that. I I have my own very idiosyncratic theories on it, but I I enjoyed kind of this idea that Fisk is really pushing him psychologically at this point. Yeah, I don't know. It was. I'm not sure how else you would have shot it, but I I totally get that. Um, and I, that bit in the trailer where he says he's going to reveal Matt's identity—that's not in the first six episodes, right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, Fisk is. Um, he said something like, "I'm going to tell people who you really are," or whatever. But I mean, that's one of these. What do you could psychosis episodes? One of these episodes, you know, what I'm talking about like a yeah. I mean, break. that's what what I like. What I like most about the psychosis, the hallucinations, um, is how they wove them into the trailers to mislead people. But yeah, I like also that Matt is just cracking. I don't. I do hope there are some like up moments, some good times in the second half of the season. I don't think there will be, but I hope there are. I've given up on Matt ever getting laid. Oh, he's he's too cute. He'll find he'll find a way. You didn't catch how Foggy was looking at him. <laughs> so let's talk about. I mean, you say Foggy, Foggy, Karen, Ellison. Like, what are your thoughts on supporting cast? Rest in peace, Keith. Rest in peace. That's his name, right, Keith? Mitchell Ellison. Oh, it's Mitchell? Why do they call him Keith? Who's Keith Ellison? I don't know. I don't know. Rest in peace, Karen's boss. You think I mean, he's dead? Is he dead? Is he dead? Because, like, today, and we're recording this before, I mean, but, uh, We, we haven't Jeff seen Cantor, episode seven, so we don't know. Jeff Cantor posted, like, a series of pictures on Instagram of, like, him with the whole cast, and he's inside a church. At his so, funeral. So is it just, yeah, like he had to be there for his body to be at the funeral? Why not? Or he goes up and has, like, somebody has to lay in the casket. Or does it get better? I want Ellison to get better! Wait, does it get better after his funeral? Probably not. But, I mean, the hand. I mean... Um, back to Foggy. They changed his sister to a brother. In the comics, Foggy has a little sister named Candace. And in the show, now he has a brother. And, like, why? I I always looked forward to this Foggy having a bratty little sister. And in the comics, Foggy is also a district attorney. So spoiler alerts for what goes on in the second half of the season. Probably. Well, there's 60 years of comics, so... I mean, yeah, but he's not going to he for district. He ran for district attorney and lost before. Yeah, but... I don't know. Did he win? 
Like the very first time he ran was like, like in like issue four or five. Right. And he and lost he won- it. No, he won. Maybe he lost. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty sure he just, won, though. Just say it confidently. Nobody will know the difference. Confidence. That's That language is not in my vocabulary. So, um, it's really weird. I feel like we talked about it so much last week. We're kind of out of steam a little bit, but um, uh, I mean, it's really the best, great. Incredible action. I mean, every single fight's amazing. The, the hallway fight is... Great, easily my most favorite action sequence in the MCU, at least in TV shows. I mean that Bullseye and Daredevil fight, which they also showed that in New York. They showed the newsroom fight. It's so it's almost humorous when he started bouncing, but he like bounced the stapler or something. Uh, it was. I mean, New York Comic Con, like. Being in a room full of people while they watched that fight for the first time, it was gut-wrenching. I mean, it just... Oh, that fight. I had completely different feelings with these fights. I don't know what it was. Like, this this prison fight. Like, I'm like... (sighs) I was hyper... (laughs) I'm like, what what is... What's this feeling? Is this what good fighting looks like? Or what's going on here? It was it was amazing. Yes, um, yes. I do have one critique. I want to critique the critiquers. Can we talk about that? Okay. <laughs> They're bringing up the p word again. The p word oh, is the new pay- Outside of episode one, which was a train wreck. I mean, two and six blew by absolutely so quick. I I, I-, I mean. I feel like at this point, it's almost like that's something that you have to critique on a Netflix show. Like, and the pacing, I mean, like, when you're when you're evaluating a wine, there's the legs and the body and the aroma and whatever. And now they're like, okay, it's a Netflix show. So the pacing and the acting and the sound and the fights, you know, it's just... Hey, Matt, um, also add wine tasting mom to the character list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Along those lines, we did a video. I can't remember if we did a video on Marvel News Desk or if this was back on MCU Exchange. It was like, there's like Marvel Marvel talking points that need to die. Do you guys remember this? We talked about yeah, like yeah. People talking about villain, like the villain problem. It's like stop talking about the villain problem. No, that was here. That was on Marvel News Desk. That was like your first and, video. Yeah, so go look at that. Watch it on YouTube. But I think the pacing for Netflix show that's it's one of those that's really gotten old. Like, it's really easy to go, oh, the Netflix pacing once again. But, I mean, it's a TV show. And I think what really people are starting to, like, I think the only thing that would make people happy is if these were, like, like six movies in a row. Does that make sense? Where, like, it was just, like, non, like, the pacing of a film, just back to back to back to back. But even but then, one of them would be a Venom. Yeah. It, it just would get exhausting. I mean... It reminds me of 24. 24 um, started to speed up their pacing, and it got to the point where he was, like, solving a nuclear bomb and a nerve gas attack and a virus and an assassination attempt all in 24 hours. It was like, wow, he would just be really exhausted at this point. You know, like, you can't can't keep escalating, escalating, escalating. Like, the shows have to have natural ebbs and flows of movement and then character work. 
And I feel like people just want to see 13 hours of Daredevil beating people up. And you just can't have that. Like there has to be character moments in between and there has to be story. And the reason that Wilson Fisk is awesome is because we know his character, not because he's so great in a fight. And so just the pacing stuff enough, like, okay, it's fine. You know, like stop crying about it. I mean, this, this is probably the first Netflix property where I never, I never questioned it. I mean, Iron Fist 2 was better and it, Luke Cage 2 was better. Um, but I mean, I, yeah, I just don't get the, the whole pacing issue. Um, I should say pacing critique, but episodes two, like two through six, I, I sat straight through them. I had no problems with it whatsoever. So I don't know. You got to hit that word count somehow. All right. Uh, you guys mentioned the fight scenes. We're going to cut now to our interview. When we talked to Chris Brewster like six, eight weeks ago, we had actually already seen the, uh, the hallway fight in the prison, which you have hopefully seen if you're listening to this spoilerific uh, commentary. And so we talked to Chris a little bit about how they shot that, and we're going to listen to that now. But Caleb has seen through the prison fight, which <laughs> <laughs> like is just awesome. And I'm sure you'll probably get this yeah. question a million times, but we'd like to be the first to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no mask. So did you do okay. anything? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there, was, uh, there was some some very clever... Texas switching going on in that fight. And, uh, you know, I mean, after, after three seasons of, you know, really, really cool one shot fight scenes, I feel like one, we have to keep upping the, the ante every time we have one of those scenes, but two, you know, I mean, the audience just gets wiser to all of the camera tricks and and everything. So as the audience becomes more knowledgeable about how you're able to switch out a stunt double and the main actor, um, we have to start getting more and more creative. And we actually, I'm very, very proud of of the, the little switcheroos that we did in that fight because I've never seen something like that on, on set. Yeah. yeah. I think when you talk about, you talk about escalating the no mask part is what escalated it for me. Cause the whole time, I mean, we talk about how things are made enough Mm -hmm. and on the old ones, I'm like, Oh, well they've got the stunt double and the mask. And on this one, I'm like, there's no mask. Like I just kept repeating to my wife over and over. There's no mask. There's no mask. Like it was a big deal that you guys went ahead and did it with, with Charlie and and Matt Murdoch as the front and center. So yeah, that was one. Um, Basically, I read the script for that scene, and I mean, on paper, it was just as incredible as it was live action. You know, I mean, I I read it and I was just like, guys, this this is this is the one. Like, this is this is the one that's going to make this season stand out on top of everything else. And um, you know, we were kind of joking, you know, because there's so many elements, and as I'm sure you've seen, um the style of shooting this season is very different from the first two seasons and the style of shooting creates its own challenges for filming the action. Um, Like, you know, whereas the first two seasons, most of the fight scenes were shot the way action is shot. 
you know, and uh, there's a lot of big wide shots. There's, you know, the camera can jump anywhere you want. You don't have to stick to a, a specific rule. But this season, the camera's with Charlie, you know, I mean, you are you are with DD every moment of every scene. So it creates its own challenges in, you know, if the camera's always right here, how do you switch back and forth? And, um, you know, we, we started joking about making that, you know, a one shot scene just because we we're like, it would be borderline impossible. But as we started joking about it, the director's like, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about doing this as a wonder. And we're like, wait, really? Oh, okay. And, and it became less and less of a joke. And then, you know, when we heard that it was a challenge, we were obviously up for it. So yeah. we, we got to work and we had a good couple of weeks of brainstorming to make that one actually kind of weave together and become something incredible. It actually reminded me a bit of um, just because it's been out recently, the Mission Impossible Fallout Halo jump. Mm-hmm. Because that's the same thing. It's a single shot and the camera is so close to Tom Cruise's face. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a diver like right next to him the whole time doing it. So I felt like it, it reminded me of that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was, that, that's another great, yeah, a great example of the stunt team and actors having to really, really rise up as as the audience is getting more knowledgeable about all that stuff. And for that particular fight, like, I mean, did they hand you the whole scene and say, okay, this is the fight scene, or do you just get like all the Matt Murdock stuff and like, Oh, okay. So here's where we're going into the fight because the big big thing about the prison fight for me was I didn't even like, it sort of snuck into being a fight for me. You know, it's just like, Oh, there's this, there's a couple punches. Oh, there's this. Like I didn't realize until maybe halfway through that we were in a big, like the big hallway fight. Yeah. Well, um, the way, the way things happen on the show, it's, it's a very, very cool dynamic because the script comes out and pretty much before anyone talks about it, the team and I take the script and we just start throwing ideas back and forth. Um, usually the day that the script comes out, I call Charlie because I mean, I, you know, I feel like I know this character very well, but nobody, nobody knows Matt Murdock Daredevil like Charlie does. Mm-hmm. So I always call him immediately and just kind of hear the scene through his words because he adds 15 layers to what I'm envisioning. Our our stunt coordinator, um, I got to co-coordinate with him. Um, but we have a couple other people kind of behind the scenes that nobody really knows about that are like really integral members of the team. Um, Evan Taylor is an absolute badass martial arts hero who uh, helped design a lot of the action on Punisher season one. And now we kind of stole him and brought him into Daredevil season three. And um, he was really, really big on, uh, on coming up with just, gritty ideas to add to the scene um we also had aaron joshua as part of our core team and uh rj who rj wolf is actually the stunt double for another character that emerged this season so he was a uh, he was a very integral part of the team so basically the four of us would get together and just create 
and we would start, you know, throwing ideas together. We'd come up with the initial design and then we would bring in other stunt people and we'd film it. So by the time the production had their first meeting to discuss, oh, you know, we think that the scene should go like this. We already filmed it and we're like, okay, we, you know, we'd listen to everyone's ideas and we're like, well, these are our ideas and we'd show them the video and nine out of 10 times we would get people cheering and, and then, uh, uh, we have a absolutely wonderful showrunner this season and Eric would give us fantastic notes that, you know, again, would just really, really raise the bar and, um, you know, just add things to the fight. I mean, I, I look at fights as just the best fights out there are the ones that have the most levels, you know, I mean, anyone can throw kicks and punches, but the story adds a level, the wardrobe adds a level. You start bringing in like the scene and like what led up to the fight and everything going on at the same time. It's just, it's just adding all these levels. And when you have really, really good minds working on a fight scene, you know, not, not just the stunt department, but every other department, it adds all of those levels that really make it stand out from just a typical, you know, punch kick choreography match. It was wonderful to watch. Yeah. <laughs> As always. Yes, it was. Venom, Venom, Venom. Yes, yes. Get out your cookie monster. It's time for Venom, Venom, yum, 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 Venom. <laughs> eat em, eat em, eat em, Venom. So. <laughs> for those keeping score, I think that's a new character. Wait, <laughs> yeah. there was already a cookie monster, wasn't there? It was, yeah. It's But it's important that they recur. I mean, if they just appear once and never come back... Um, that's no fun. So cookie monster venom. And it, it is. I mean, he wants to eat heads just like cookie monster. I mean, he does eat ravenously in this movie and he, comedically as well. True. True. Maybe more restraint than cookie monster. <laughs> I mean, venom had restraint. There were lots of heads. He did not eat. Yes, because he was getting held back by Eddie Brock. There's so many things I want to talk about in this movie. Um, so let's, uh, first of all, it's been out for three weeks. We're going to go straight into spoilers. And if you haven't seen it yet, just let us spoil it for you because it's it's not worth seeing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll feel differently. Did you actually enjoy this, Rhiannon? I did. I did actually enjoy it. Now, full disclosure, I did the, like... Five dollar Tuesday night AMC showing, and it was worth all five dollars. Um, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, like I was expecting it to be ridiculously bad, and it was just—it was a movie. I think I was hoping for ridiculously bad, though. Like I was hoping for like laugh out loud, fall out of my seat, bad. And it was just kind of mediocre. And that's the least kind of fun movie to watch. Like, at least I want to be able to mock it. And I just, you know, I don't know if this is a plus or a minus that it's not so bad that it's obviously mockable. See, I mean, I, I mean, like, I seriously don't have, I mean, one, I mean, just like straight up, I, I'm not a movie person. I love the TV show format better, but I would put this, like, right there with Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was just as ridiculous as that. Maybe Ant-Man and the Wasp was a little bit, like, better put together, but I sort of found it just as enjoyable. I mean, I think we can still be friends, but we'll have to work through this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) 
I had like legit frustrations from Ant-Man and the Wasp and this I mean here's the thing again like I have no attachment to the source material I absolutely I did not realize you could make Michelle it's Michelle Williams right yeah did I get I did not realize you could make her ugly and like wooden plastic I think plastic is the word I'm looking for like they took a beautiful phenomenal actress and made her useless i don't know i mean like i have i have issues with her character but i have issues with the female lead in a lot of movies i also the like waking up in bed the morning after with like full-on false eyelashes mascara all of that like not realistic guys and then there was also the weird like hyper sexualized she venom kind of like right in the middle where it was like Hey, look at the sexy symbiote, you know? Yeah, but it was just like a quick little blip of it. I mean, I thought that was an interesting little catch. Like, ooh, she got to be the symbiote for like a minute. Um, It didn't bother me as much as like having... It wasn't like there were whole... I mean, you're probably about to talk me out of having liked it, but I didn't feel like they set up whole subplots that didn't pay off or... Um, it, it was a simple story and it played out, but they didn't overcomplicate it. And I think that's an interesting way to say it. Cause like you could say this, I think two ways you could say what you just said, which is very positive or what I've heard a lot of people say, which I kind of agree with is it's, it's a regression to a origin story, mid 2000 superhero movie that assumed that the audience can't handle anything. And so they kind of spoon feed a very basic plot to them without any of the sort of interesting complexities that you might expect out of, you know, like Infinity War is the exact opposite, right? It's a movie that's so full of so many layers and so many things. Um, Whereas this movie, you're right, is very streamlined as far as plot and all that kind of stuff. And that's what, I mean, yes, it's simple. It's not a deep movie. There is no... Oscar talk for this one going to happen in any regard. There's no... I do not ever need to see it again. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, and it's an origin story. Yeah, it's a very 90s movie. Or mid-2000s. Whatever genre you said those origin story movies were. Um, It was vanilla ice cream. Yeah, so uh, what did you think of the tone? Um, There's a certain humor to this movie... And I I really struggled to understand if they were trying to be funny or if it just happened on accident or if they were actually like, like the plan was always to make this like a horror comedy. Like, I, I don't know. I felt like tone was very hard for me to judge what they were accomplishing versus what they were just doing by mistake. I mean, I feel like it was supposed to be comedic relief. Like we have all this intense stuff happening, but here's some comedic relief with Eddie Brock and his multiple personalities. Um, And this is where, like, me not knowing Eddie Brock in any other scenario, like, I think helped. But I assumed he was supposed to be sort of a self-deprecating type of person. And I felt like they set up his character where he could, um, that it made sense for him to be self-deprecating, that he had been up on top. And used to being in the spotlight, and then he had been, all of that had just crashed 
there was nothing left. Yeah. I think so. That really helps me put my finger on something. I think that bugs me, but it's probably from a comic reader perspective that maybe is unfair because they're just doing a different version. I mean, this is the story of Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock is a guy who has it all that has a great job. That's a hotshot journalist that um, I can't remember in the comics if he had a girlfriend or not. I think maybe he did. And then he he just loses it all. It's like a country western song, you know, like his life just gets like stripped away from him. And in the comics, it always gets stripped away from him because of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. His interactions with Peter and Spider-Man are the reasons why he loses everything. Like J. Jonah Jameson, he like like Peter shows him up and gets pictures that kind of disproves the story or something like that. So J. Jonah Jameson fires him. And so in the comics, what they did is is my understanding of it. I mean, I don't know if I've ever actually technically read the source material. Um, is it Eddie gets like a rage, like Eddie's main characteristic is anger and that he's just seething. Like I had all these things in life and that Spider-Man and that wimpy little Parker stole it from me. And so then when he gets the symbiote, it it's anger and rage like combines with his and he's just the seething open wound of hurt feelings and just murderous like anger. And in this movie, they kind of had him process stuff by being like a down on his luck, ah shucks kind of humor, you know, like a self deprecating humor. And for me, like, no, that character should be mad. But the thing is they had to, in the comics, they could do the rage thing because he was an outright villain and an outright villain for a long time. And then slowly he became an anti-hero over like a decade. But in this movie, they had to speed that up to about 30 minutes. And so they couldn't start with him this like seething rage monster. They had to very quickly make him kind of more lovable and more, um, you know, like when he deals with the homeless lady, like they wanted those moments that made him look like a hero. So as an audience, we could accept him as the hero of our story. So I think that's that's part of what's off for me and maybe some other comic people. Definitely. I mean, I... I definitely went with a more open mind of Eddie Brock. And I didn't, and I expected to be conflicted. I expected him to be an anti-hero and, you know, this to be the origin story of a villain or of a person that would eventually turn out to be a villain. But I was pleasantly surprised that he was the hero of the story and legitimately a hero. So uh, I want to talk about Tom Hardy's performance a little bit. Tom Hardy is kind of known as like, you know, this great actor that kind of disappears into his roles. Um, What did you think of his approach to this movie? Like I have thoughts, but I'm interested in yours first before I get negative. (laughs) Like, I don't know Tom Hardy there again. Like I have no mental pictures of Tom Hardy from anything else. Um, Really, the only other time I've seen him was at Comic-Con when he was talking about Venom. And I honestly remember nothing about it. And I was listening because I knew people were critiquing his accent and his portrayal. Taking it with an open mind, not knowing him, I thought it was fine. I mean, his accent was weird, but he was a guy that just moved from New York. So that made the, the New York accent made more sense when they had that part of the story. Um... He did the 
you know, going slightly crazy and hurt and, you know, I, I thought he was fine. Did the accent ever sound like he maybe, uh, I don't know how to put that, like, sometimes he just kind of sounded almost like drunk or like he was kind of slurring his words. Yeah. Like, I guess maybe he's sick from the symbiote, but like, it seemed weird to me. Uh, He does have like a marble voice at times. Um, Like, like he has marbles in his mouth or something. Um, Which really, there's somebody else that does that a lot that... Really it felt like me. Sylvester Stallone a little bit to me, like, you Asian, I'm just, you know, like, yeah. I hope you're doing okay, you know, I'm do-. you know, like, it's just like, like the lips are not moving, like all the vowel sounds are the same or something. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I just took that as part of the character. I mean, I know real people that talk weird anyways, too. I talk weird. I think to kind of accentuate that, though, one of the things I didn't like is I felt like there were a couple times where his character was just like really hopelessly stupid or like just like really not clued in like the part where he shows up at Michelle Williams house and like you know like her boyfriend's there like it just showed some like lack of social awareness but even more importantly to me the scene that really I hated is he's in that like um in the life foundation like facility like trying to take his pictures and then he sees the homeless lady like in the, the cage and she's clearly like demonically like um, possessed or something. And he's like, Oh, I got to get you out of there as quick as possible. And so then he just starts like punching like numbers on the keypad. Like that's going to work. And then it sets off the alarm. And then he takes like a fire extinguisher. He's like, Oh, that woman looks like she's evil incarnate. I should break open this window so that she can devour me. Like, call the police. (laughs) I don't understand why, like, we're in such a rush to, like, allow this, you know, demon woman to get out of the place where she's being protected from you. (laughs) Fine. It seemed fine to me at the time. As, like, he pushed some buttons trying to get his friend out. It didn't work. Alarms start going off. He panicked. He They've already set a precedent of him acting irrationally and being a little too hot-headed. So he did that. And if he didn't, there wouldn't be an origin story. That's the important <laughs> That's part. That's fair enough. Um, <laughs> along those lines, and I heard this on another podcast that was talking about this, the other massive plot point here is... Um, if he would just like, he spent so much of this movie trying to get these pictures to somebody. Why don't you just email, just email like surely that smartphone has email or has read it. Like just like put those things up on social media. Like why he, uh, why he felt the need to personally hand deliver it to, uh, to Bobby fish. I'm not sure. So. And that was Bobby Fish, right? Like, he ran off and he started a newspaper on the West Coast. Like, way to go, Bobby Yeah, Fish. I mean, they have doubled up on a couple actors, so this doesn't, like, prevent MCU t- move, like, crossover, but it certainly doesn't help to have a known character who appears in a different role. I was so confused. I was like, I know this guy. He's somebody else. Um, yeah, that bothered me. I, I also, like, you leave the cell phone there, like... How many people have a cell phone sitting there and they're and, and even know how to get onto it? 
I mean, even the smartest people I know, if they're used to using an iPhone and you leave a little Android device there, they may not even know how to get the screen to come up. I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration, but I was like, dude, did you unlock it? Or is this guy going to just pick it up and it'd be like, where's your fingerprint? Please draw your, please draw your little symbol. Well, and, and going back to that comic stuff for just a minute, it was interesting that this, there was such a war between Eddie and Venom, like that Eddie's always trying to hold back Venom. Venom, in my mind, at least early on, like Eddie wants to do it. Like this, like the symbiote says, hey, let's kill some people. And he's like, yes, you know, like, let's do it. And so that tortured soul thing I thought was kind of, and, and, you know, in like, hey, we've got to still like, expose the life foundation or like Michelle Williams would be, would show up and he'd be like, Hey, you can't kill her because I love her. You know, like, um, it was just a very altruistic Eddie Brock. And again, I get why you have to do it for this movie, but it's just not Eddie as I hashtag, not my Eddie Brock, I guess is what I'm saying. So, and I, I mean, I like a tortured soul, so I enjoyed the, Eddie Brock fighting with Venom version of this. Um, how did you enjoy the action, CGI, fighting, special effects? No. No. <laughs> you just didn't like those no. parts at all? And I think that goes to like why I don't like movies, and particularly like action movies. I mean, if we go back to like pretty much my complaints on a lot of these movies is the big fact- action fighting scene. This one in particular, it felt like they were hiding, um, like I was going back to some stuff that Chris Brewster said to us and all of that, you know, just as far as the, or maybe not, maybe I was just wondering what I would talk to Chris Brewster about with this in general, but it looked like instead of pulling off really awesome stunts or pulling off like really awesome, like when he has the bike and then the road scene, Instead of pulling that off and showing us a really cool stunt, really, they just cut away right as the really exciting stuff happened. And, like, tried to... They jumped around so much that it was just really obvious that we're jumping around to not show you the stuff that's really hard to film. Um, I actually looked away at some point during that bike scene, not because I thought somebody was going to get hurt or whatever, but just because it was hurting me to watch it. Like it was jumping around so much and I just, I really hated it. Yeah. I was surprised how dark some of the action was as if it was like, Hey, it'll be cheaper to do the CGI if this fight scene takes place during the nighttime. And, And I put on Twitter, it had to me a bad case. And I think this is along what you're saying of like transformers, special effects. Like when you watch a transformers movie, it's a car, and then all of a sudden, you just see this swirl of pixels on your screen that doesn't look like like anything in particular. Like, it looks like it was difficult to make, but it doesn't, like, you can't, like, make out what anything is. And then, oh, now it's a Transformer. And it's just a blur of CGI blah. And I felt like this was that, except for instead of robot parts, it was, like, tendrils and alien goo. Like, when Riot and Venom fight... It's just thousands of pixels being manipulated by an algorithm. 
and it doesn't make sense. I can't see what's what. I can't tell who's who. Like, it's just all just a blur as if they're like, trust us, this looks awesome, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And the space shuttle, did it feel like it escalated kind of, like, it felt like it was like, for me, like an hour of like this man, like experiencing this personal drama it was like, oh, by the way, we've got a spaceship, too. And then just, like, moved to giant set piece, like, kind of randomly. And they didn't convince me that, like, I mean, I know he's rash and, you know, riot bad guy and stuff. But, like, why did he need to launch the spaceship in five minutes? Because like, he's insane. Why? And then they ever so, I mean, they just completely came out and tell you. There are two things, like this noise frequency and heat. And so, you know, let's have a big fight on underneath the boosters of a space shuttle set to go off in five minutes. I, yes, all of that was phoned in. But, you know, there wasn't a whole B-plot, B-plot with Walton Goggins that had no purpose. <laughs> um, it did, uh, I did love that Michelle Williams is a lawyer and she's like, Oh, intense loud sounds over a certain decibel or hertz level hurts him. And so then she's like in the launch room and she finds a way to create the sound and amplify it. And just, the, you know, like all of a sudden she has all this sciency knowledge that she needs. And also what was her plan? Like the Eddie Brock would fall to his death. Like there's just, there are a ton of, I, I've seen other podcasts do this better. I can't replicate it. There are so many plot holes in the last 10 minutes. Where it's like, why did this happen? I don't understand. Like, legitimately, I thought she was just blasting music and was like, if I blast something loud enough, it'll work. Um, Or, like, blasting sounds. Like, let me do this. Okay, they're not reacting. Let me do this. Okay, they're not reacting. You know, like, I I thought she was just experimenting. They never, to me, explain, like, it seems like the Venom gets burned off of him by the space shuttle. And then... They cut to the last scene and it's like, nope, it's still here. Yay. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I just assumed that was that he found him again. I assumed the little venom critter, like, took over a shark and took over a little baby shark and then took over a little mama shark and then a daddy shark and then up into, like, land. Baby symbiote. Yeah, was that what you were getting yeah. at, or what was what was that? Baby venom, baby venom, All right, well, that's been a good pod. See you guys uh, next week. Uh, um, so <sighs> have we talked about venom enough? Well, yeah. Can we please go so, to Daredevil? No. Just to wrap up, um, we see no Tom Holland in this. Uh, the late great John Schnepp had told us that there'd be a uh, a cameo by Peter Parker, and we don't see that. Um, I think that's good. I don't see how Peter Parker is in this movie in a way that just doesn't make that character worse. So I'm not, you know, missing him. We're probably inevitably getting a sequel. We get the Woody Harrelson tease, which, by the way, I was totally bummed that Woody Harrelson was in it for five seconds. And with that bizarro wig, um... So his character's, his character is supposed to be a clown, right? Uh, no, he's supposed to just be a, uh, like a redneck serial killer. So a clown, you know, same old, same old.
But you said that because his hair looks exactly like Sideshow Bob on The Simpsons. That's why you think he's supposed to be a clown. <laughs> yes. Um, what could they do to make the sequel better? Not make it. Rhiannon. <laughs> I'm so glad you joined us, Adam. Adam, you didn't even see it. The verdict was I liked it. Uh, because everyone said, Adam, if you go, you're going to throw up. And throwing up is one of my worst phobias. So that's why I didn't go. Um, sequel, get rid of the damn love story. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I hate just throwing in a love, um, that's what, like, what graded on me the most was that whole Michelle Williams love story that had no purpose. Wait, there was a symbiote sex scene? There was a sexy female symbiote. When I saw someone on Twitter say that Venom and Eddie make out the movie, I really thought that was a joke, but it's not. (laughs) Like, that really happened. Hey, man. I was going to say something, but it's not appropriate, so we can just skip it. <laughs> yeah, I, I also, that's back to my earlier point about I felt like Eddie was an idiot. When he wakes up in the middle of the night and starts going through his girlfriend's email, I'm like, oh, how do you think this is going to work? Like, first of all, they're going to trace it back to her. Second of all, you're going to go in there and go like, Hey, I've got a source. What's your source? Uh, nothing. It's not my girlfriend who's your lawyer and her email. You know, like, I didn't see how any of that made any sense from a journalistic perspective or a boyfriend perspective. Like, it seemed very... But I like that very quickly, the result was, that was a bad idea, and and everybody knew it. Like, if, if it did not immediately get traced back to her, I was going to be so mad. That's true. It just seems like our main character is a moron. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not disputing that, but, you know, morons can be enjoyable to watch sometimes. I'm interested to see. We've heard this sequel is going to be PG-13. I feel like adding some edge. So one of the things I did like, the other thing I want to add quickly is when it was a little more of a horror movie, like the scene in Malaysia where, like, the the, the riot is moving from, like, the person in the crash to the ambulance person to the old lady to the little girl. I felt like that stuff was kind of good. And like that creepy little like shining girl that was like coming in to talk to the Life Foundation guy, Riz Ahmed. Like, yeah, I thought that was all pretty good, but it just wasn't enough. I, I would have liked a little more of the spooky. But also, I don't know why I got this thought in my head, but... um. Uh, who's the comedian that was in ma- uh, that does Master of None? Aziz Ansari. He was in there. Yes. No. He wasn't. But if they had put him in there instead of Riz Ahmed, I think he would have done a better Shut job. Shut up. Like, I think so. Yeah. Um, Riz Ahmed. No. Was... I did not like Riz Ahmed. He was so like wooden, like a little bit of like mischief and a little bit of like faux arrogance like Aziz Ansari I don't know why there were certain faces he made I was like if they put Aziz Ansari in this movie it would be so much better <laughs> if they put anybody Yuck. willing to take a risk and I mean that's why I don't get why Michelle Williams was so bad because she was awful that's where at least like people can knock Tom Hardy but at least he delivered a performance of some variety he did something. Yeah. I'm not sure what it was. I mean, he jumped in a lobster. Was tank. the, uh, <laughs> the reason, but... was that, did that accent ever grow on you or was it terrible? The whole movie? Yeah. We talked about that before you got here. No. <laughs> oh. Have you guys been talking about Venom <laughs> for just... a whole hour? 
a half hour, dude. You, no. you realize that I time so, you don't get back. I'm like, so ready that to time move on. is gone. But we did talk about it. Well, you're extending it. Yeah, we did talk about it. We feel differently. I feel like, um, I feel like he sounds like a drunk Sylvester Stallone, and Rhiannon just thought that he sounded like someone with a peculiar accent. Peculiar. Gosh, you're so PC. No, it sounded like a New York accent to me that at times had like I don't know the mumbles. All right, guys, uh, I think it's time for our mailbag, which is surprisingly full this week. So, uh, over on the website, Love Waffle um, was talking about Iron Fist and just sad that last week's episode did not include Adam's uh, thoughts on Iron Fist. Hopefully, uh, those have been fully expressed this week for you love waffle i do want to say quickly i know it's kind of a bummer that we've been doing this wednesday recording and then it comes out on sunday and then if something happens on thursday or friday we don't get to talk about it um we're just real people with real lives and jobs and in my case you know like wife and kids and so wednesday nights are a convenient time for us to record and if that means we get to the news a little slower sorry but I think this is the way we're going to do it for a while because Wednesday nights are good. I was about to say, but it makes us much happier. So, sorry guys. Also, it helps me with editing. When we did the, for a long time we would record on Sunday afternoon, I'd immediately edit and immediately post. And it was like a six hour slog between recording and editing and posting. And this way, I I just enjoy it more. And we still do this mostly for enjoyment. So (laughs) we're going to do it in a way that's fun. So sorry if that's a bummer. Um, Until the uh, Patreon folks start revolting, then we'll probably listen to the money. (laughs) That's right. If you want it to be recorded differently, a couple hundred bucks our way could probably fix that problem. Uh, Dave was talking on the website about uh, a Dark Avengers movie, and he had a cool idea that uh, Dark Avengers could move Venom into the MCU. So, like, how do we take no Spidey Venom and turn him into a Spidey Venom? He starts putting the white logo on his shirt because he's pretending to be Spider-Man as a member of the Dark Avengers. I thought that was kind of clever. Yeah. But don't ever bring Venom into the MCU. Uh, on Twitter, a new new Twitter person, Bailey, at uh, Bill Somic, which I love. I believe it's a, uh, a twist on balsamic vinaigrette, which is a lovely foodie thing. Um, she just was talking about how hyped she was for Daredevil and just saying she enjoyed our podcast last week and was excited about our discussion this week. So thank you, Bailey, for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate your interaction on Twitter. It's nice to see a new face. Um, 084 showed us some really cool bumper stickers on a lift that he got picked up by. Uh, it was kind of like the little family ones, but they were like silhouettes of like Iron Man and Cap and stuff. Oh, I thought uh, that so was thought his car. Was... Maybe it is. Was... I thought it was a lift he got. I don't know. No, I thought it was his car. I mean, that also happened to be a lift. What are you guys talking but... about? 084 didn't even take me, I don't think. Uh, it was on the MND account. Oh, so. I haven't signed into that yeah. one. I'm not fully on Twitter yet. <laughs> uh, as we've mentioned several times in the show, Matt Turner Toad uh, commented on how much he liked the voices last week that occasionally come out in our podcast, our various little characters. Uh, we're glad to to bring you joy, Matt. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing that when appropriate. 
Uh, and then at Acart777 was asking uh, if Born Again was the um, storyline that was kind of adapted for Daredevil this time. I mean, through the first six episodes, as you said, Rhiannon, it's kind of a yes and no with, with Born Again. Yeah. I mean, they pulled from all sorts of things. I mean, the there's no corpse. That taxi cab, there is no corpse thing. I mean, wait, I think that might also be Born Again. But the FBI agents in general are from the Murdoch papers. Um, I mean, they've pulled from a lot of different sources and put it all together. I like um, Red Ringside, who... Any big Daredevil fans that are listening need to follow. I think they're at Red Wingside on Twitter. They might have changed to Daresplaining now. Um, they always like to point out that Daredevil in the comics isn't actually that religious until the Guardian Devil run. And I think 98 when Kevin Smith took over with Volume 2. So, huh? Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't know what to do. Um, so like before that religion isn't a big part of Matt's life. So just having the whole fact that he's living in a freaking church, that's guardian devil. Um, so it yeah, but from a lot of there's a lot of sister Maggie stuff in born again though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Speaking I mean, of which, is, when's she going to say there is when, when's the big reveal coming? I mean, there's, we don't know. Don't know. She may not. Maybe Give it's me not. A break. If that doesn't happen, I worst thing ever. So yeah, that's I'd have to read Born Again again. Um but yeah, I mean the fact that he's talking to a nun is hardly uh devoid of like yeah. he spends a lot of time with a nun in that series, so that's hardly devoid of religious elements, so Sure. Um was it um uh somebody was saying Chris, on the episode we did about Daredevil and religion with Chris, um, Chris mentioned that there was a quote from Frank Miller that's uh, where Frank Miller talked about how his view of Daredevil required him to be Catholic. Um, I just made a realization that I am now no better off than a Shadowhunters fan. <laughs> Dude, you gotta look out. They're gonna come stomp on your Iron Fist grave now that, you know, payback is... Goes around, comes around, and this is karma biting me in the ass. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. You can interact with us a lot of ways. Send us messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. You can also communicate uh, via our MarvelNewsDesk.com posts each week. If you want to support the show, you can give us a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. Maybe you'll cheer Adam up that way. Uh, you can also get access via Patreon to our special MCU film ranking episode. It's available only to Patreon supporters, as well as early access to some of our videos. Uh, also, there'll be another annual podcast coming out in a couple of months here that'll be available there. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk, or subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. You can help the show be more visible to others if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, the biggest thing that we really appreciate every week is when you listen and you tell your friends. Thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find him uh, and his music on social media at The Skull School. 
All right, that does it. Uh, we're now entering a dark period where nothing is coming out <laughs> for a little while, so we'll figure out what we're talking about next week. Uh, but definitely more Daredevil for sure. So, All right, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later.